ask yourself questions and sit with those questions as long as you need to, to find answers. And little by little, as you start to find answers to those, action creates traction. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15 year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach. Now, your coach. Join me on this journey from why to purpose to impact. The key to it all, taking action. Prepare to get tactical as our guests share their daily playbook where purpose no longer has to be a distant North Star. It can become a 365 way of life. Let's go. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Dr. Amber Selking into the conversation. Along with serving as VP of Leadership and Culture Development at Lippert, a $4 billion global manufacturing company, Amber founded the Selking Performance Group, where their mission is to help individuals, sports teams, and business organizations unleash performance excellence by tapping into the power of mindset and leadership. She speaks with organizations around the world and has served for years as a mental performance consultant to the Notre Dame football team. Hot off the press, Amber is also author of the newly released and highly acclaimed book, Winning the Mental Game the playbook for building championship mindsets. She even has a podcast by the same name with over 200,000 downloads and counting. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation as I am. Buckle up and let's welcome Dr. Amber Selking into the Playmakers podcast. Dr. Amber Selking, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Yeah, of course. We are so fired up. And by the way, I just got to call this out. I know there's a lot of folks just listening in on audio, but let me give you a tune of what's behind Dr. Amber Selking. So for one, we're going to jam out very hard on her recently released book. We've got Winning the Mental Game, the playbook for building championship mindset. So that's going to be the second thing I hit you with. The first thing is there's this sign behind you. It says Think like a champion today. And that makes me think of this place called Notre Dame. And as a proud Trojan and Wolverine, I don't know if maybe this is the end of our conversation, but I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel about sharing a space with a Trojan and Wolverine as a fighting Irish? What's up with that? You know, as the sign says, Paul, I'm going to choose to think like a champion and understand (laughs) the fact that, you know, despite the rabid rivalry that we have between both of your schools and my school, um, I'm going to choose to find some common ground here and just realize that, you know what, I think we could make a lot more greatness together than separate. Although it does make, uh, again, for some interesting conversations as you are two of our biggest rivals. Michigan and USC. (laughs) Yeah, well, well played, well played. And, you know, I know we'll both be speaking at this year's Purpose Summit, which is at Notre Dame Football Stadium. And the reason I bring that up is literally I was just uh, filming some promotional stuff uh, days ago. And I said, what's the only thing that could bring the Fighting Irish, the Trojans and a Wolverine together? Purpose. And so that was kind of a cool little segue into it. But let's jam out. So you just released your book, which I'm so fired up. We will uh, let folks know where to find it, how they can tap into not only the book, but all of the resources that are surrounding it. But if you say that this is the playbook for building championship mindsets, what is a championship mindset? That's a great question. You know, I think that let's start with what are thoughts? (laughs) I think that thoughts are just these ephemeral things that people think that thoughts are these ephemeral things that float around in the air and don't really matter. But what we know is that thoughts are real things. And every thought we have 
actually sends an electrical signal from our brain through our neurons into our bodies to do something. And so thoughts are really important for that reason. But thoughts are also important because repeated thoughts build what we call mindsets. And mindsets are actual protein patterns that get woven together and change the form and function of our brain. I like to say that mindsets are like Instagram filters. So you could have (laughs) one picture, but depending on what filter you put over, it changes the picture drastically. And so mindsets are that for the brain. Um, How we think about things repeatedly starts to build these mindsets or Instagram filters that when we encounter those moments or situations, situations, change how we perceive them or perceive ourselves. And so when we say building championship mindsets, we literally mean pattern ways of thinking like champions do, like they see the world, like they respond to adversity, like they handle success. And I just firmly believe that we can teach that to to everybody, not just those that might be an elite sport. Yeah. So when you say they, and I love where you're bringing us, you're talking about champions. So there's two groups of people. And and we'll just say this, there's Those that have yet, I'll be positive here, those that have yet to be champions and those that are champions, what's the difference? What's the gap? Like what traits, characteristics, attributes, qualities, what am I going for that a champion has? To me, it's consistency, Paul. You know, everybody can be great once in a while, but champions know how to apply small disciplines on a consistent basis over time. And that I I think is what incrementally allows them to pull ahead, to uh, consistently show up as the best version of themselves. And so while champions, uh, you know, we often see them on the post or holding the trophy um, or winning a a huge case if they're in the legal world, right? Um, But what we don't see is the hours of investment that goes into that. And so to me, the differentiator on those that that stand on the podium are those that are willing to apply the habits and the disciplines that we know lead to the outcomes we desire, which is winning, right? Whatever field you might be in. Yeah. And and so for you, if I ask people to define success, I get many different answers and I'll, I'll admit even my answer has shifted and evolved and morphed over life. I, frankly, I used to be very externally focused. So you could call those trophies. You can call those awards, accomplishments, accolades. Now I'm, I'm just trying to win the inside game, that happiness, that, uh, inner success, that, that fulfillment. And so I'm just curious, like when you talk about winning, what is your personal view on winning? Like if I said to measure success or what should we be after, what runs through your mind? To me, it's both. And, uh, ask my husband, every time he gives me options, I'm like, can we do both? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes, and so and. To, to me, I, I think we can win, you know, from a business standpoint, we can win in culture and we can win on the bottom line in the sports context. We can win in the locker room and we can win on the field in my personal life. You know, it's about winning my inner game and winning in my marriage, in my family, but then also in w- whatever professional endeavors I'm pursuing at the time. And so, you know, winning is important important to me. And it's not about external gains of a trophy, but more about to me, the impact that that can have, whether the impact is me being a model and example to other people that, Hey, you can have a healthy marriage. You can, um, have a sense of peace and joy personally, internally, and contribute positively to your organization, to your community, to your team. And, um, and so to me, that's what success looks like. It's sort of the integration of both of our worlds, right. Or, or however many worlds you sort of have your feet in, how do those things find alignment and congruence and positive impact? And to me that that's what success is about for me personally. Yeah, no, I love it so much. So 
give us the backstory. If I was to ask you, because as a proud author of one book, I'm in the midst of writing my second. There's always that initial inspiration. Why write the book? Why go through? Because as you know, there is just massive, massive amount of work that is done into going into it. So what's the life journey as far back as you want to take it? What happened in your life that led to that point where you say, I need to put this in a book. I need to share this message with the world. So if you would have asked my eight-year-old self what my ideal job would be one day, it would be writing books and speaking. <laughs> so, uh, which is crazy to think that was on my heart. Is and so that in right? The, yeah, which is wild, like for an eight-year-old to think that. But if you if you look behind me, you see this little like children's book with a pencil colored B on it. That was actually my first book um, because like I said, I love winning. And so I would take any competition that our small town had to offer. And one of them was from our public library of writing a book. And so that's actually my first book I won when I was in fifth grade. I won the contest and they turned it into a hardbound book in our public library in Montrose, Pennsylvania, which is a small town in Northeastern PA. And it's called A Dream Come True. And it's about this little bee zip who she had a bent antenna. So she had a little bit of a handicap, but her dream was to be queen bee one time. And so she goes on this excursion and, and finds the resources and the insight and the grit to pers persevere and winds up accomplishing her dream. And so, you know, fast forward all these years later, um, I had the privilege of going to graduate school and learning more about what goes into human high performance and understanding that, man, this isn't just a fluke that either you have it or you don't have it, or um, some days you have it and some days you don't. There's actually a science behind human high performance. And, and so I've, I've been so blessed to learn all this stuff, you know, that we don't get to learn in normal school. And so I just, you know, my heart is to be able to share what we know about the human brain. Um, it, with as many people as possible, because what I love about the brain is that it doesn't matter what color your skin is, what your socioeconomic background is, what your religion is, what part of the world you're from, what gender you are. It only matters that you're human. And, and yet we don't talk a lot about it and we don't know a lot about it because we can't see it. And so, you know, to me, why I'm even in this field and talk about these things and coach these things is because I believe that the fundamental differentiator of success as I just said, sort of the integration of our personal and our professional lives um, is in our control and it's found in learning how to tap into the power of the mind. And so um, this book is a, is a program that I wrote actually in 2013, um, really helping people understand the foundations of a strong mental game. And I've been training, you know, athletes, coaches, business professionals, little guys and girls, um, big guys and girls, professionals um, on this playbook for the last um, however many years and seeing the impact that it's had in, again, their um, ability to take personal responsibility and accountability over how they show up on a daily and consistent basis has been phenomenal. And so then 2020 happened and all the fun things in the world got <laughs> shut down. So I had a little bit more free time on my hand and I just thought, why not write a book? And, um, and you know, what I think is really important is coming out of the last two years of a global pandemic and social injustice conversations and, and political and social unrest around the world 
now more than ever, people need to know that they can control their world in, in some capacity. And so I just believe that this is a, is a timely piece for people in a lot of different ways. And, and my hope is that it can really help give people a sense of stability in what is an otherwise rather uncertain world right now. Yeah. And what's really cool, and I heard you in a couple of other conversations mention this. So if you're open to sharing it with our playmakers, so correct me if I'm wrong, but initially, so, and I, I feel you on the 2020 piece because that's, so dozens and dozens and dozens of stages go away, March of 2020. And by April, I'm trying to figure stuff out. And literally April through June of 2020 is when I wrote The Power of Playing Offense. What took me less than 90 days, it, it now feels like a multi-year journey to write book two because now we're back on planes and obviously kiddo down the hall and all that good stuff. But I, I ask you this because my understanding of your story, and please fact check me, is there was a chance, at least a vision, that this could have come out in 2021, but then there was a conversation with your other half. And I, I, I heard that story and it was so cool because there's a lesson in that story, in this case, you're a coach for others. He kind of turned into your coach here. So walk us through how uh, your husband helped you out and and coached you through this situation, because I do think there's a cool lesson for all playmakers in it. Yeah, you know, my hope was that it, I wrote it in 2020 and that it would be out in 2021. And um, and yet I have a, you know, a full time day job, which is serving as a vice president of leadership and culture for a publicly traded global manufacturing company called Lippert. And, um, and so those are That's long $3 billion, by the way, for those playmakers that aren't familiar, the top <laughs> line here. So we're not talking a mom and pop, like uh, to say, Amber wears a couple of hats might be an understatement. Continue. Yeah. So we've got about 15,000 team members globally. And so, you know, and we grew a lot, the RV industry and Marine industries grew through COVID crazily enough. And so, you know, he just helped me keep things in perspective of saying like, Hey, all you can do is all you can do. And you can only write so many nights and weekends. Um, and you know, if your definition of success is really taking care of yourself and your family, then Hey, let the, let the timing unfold and trust God in the process. And let's see when it comes out, you know, because that, you know, you, as you know, once the book comes out, there's a lot of final edits and graphic design and all of the things. And, you know, this book is interactive, so it's kind of, it's kind of fun. There's 46 QR codes, um, embedded throughout. So, you know, which, which doesn't sound difficult, but making sure that you've got the right content linked to the right QR codes and that they go to all the right places and are in the, you know, there, there's just some of those micro details that had to take place. And so he just helped me extend a little bit of grace to myself through this. And, um, you know, it was, what was fascinating is it actually worked out perfectly because, um, I've worked for Notre Dame football for the last five years as the mental performance coach for them. And towards the end of last year, coach Kelly, um, wound up leaving and, and going to LSU and he was an endorser of my book. And so I was able to catch it right before it went to the printers. And so so instead of saying endorsed by Brian Kelly, head coach of Notre Dame football, it now says Brian Kelly winning as head coach in the history of Notre Dame football. And um, and so if I if this would have come out in 2021, it would have been out of date a year into publishing. So, you know, really believing what I tell everybody is that trust timing, because it usually as long as you're doing all you can do, then trust the timing. And um, and, and Aaron helps me remember that. <laughs> Which is, and by the way, Aaron's an awesome dude. So uh, less than what, 30, 60 days ago from the time that we're having this convo, we were at uh, the same dinner table, all three of us amongst our Purpose Point fam. And uh, so what I love though is 
in this case, and a lot of playmakers are what I would call high achievers, elite performers in their respective spaces, whatever they choose to strive for greatness in. And the challenge, as you know, from I would consider you obviously in that category and then those that you coach in that category, the standard is so high and that excellence that we're always after. And sometimes we can be real tough on ourselves when you have such a high bar. So I think there are amazing benefits of having a high bar, but for everybody listening in, you said the G word grace. And I think that that is under exercised in our life, in our community. And, you know, I always say that if we would, because of that self-talk that sometimes we just get inside our own heads, speaking of mindset. And if I could riff on this for a second, I always share with my inner circle that, because my best friends tell me, man, you're really hard on yourself sometimes. And, um, but the fact is I pour all this positive energy into others, but yet I'm really hard on myself. And it's almost one of those things where if we would talk to other people, the way we talk to ourselves, it would be a very cruel world, you know? And I think that's kind of crazy. So I think it's cool that when I hear about you and Aaron and Surrounding yourself with people that can lift you up when you need it so that you don't get discouraged in this case that, all right, so it was in 2021, but that shouldn't just derail you. Now it all makes sense. And you just shared some of those dominoes that followed. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my guys, my football players, um, he, I can always tell when he's getting in his own head, you know, and starting to beat himself up. And we had a conversation and, and he was a defensive back. And so, you know, there's usually two of them back there or three, depending on what system we're playing. But he, you know, he and his, his fellow DB, I'm like, you know, would you ever talk to your boy like that? Like, what are you saying to yourself right now? And he told me, and I was like, would you ever talk to your boy like that? He's like, nah, ma'am. And, and I was like, okay, well, what would you say to him? And he told me, and I was like, bro, you got to be your best friend inside your helmet. Cause you're the only one in there. And can you talk to yourself? Like you talk to your best friend and man, when you get in that headspace, when you're out on the field and the lights are on or you're laying in your bed and it's quiet and nobody else is around, like those are the moments where you've got to be your best friend. And sometimes your best friend's hard on you. Sometimes your best friend's gentle on you. Sometimes your best friend jabs you a little bit, but, but you know more than anybody what you need in that moment. And we've got to take responsibility for that and accountability for how we're talking to ourselves. And so, you know, I, another thing I say a lot is a lot of us need to start talking to ourselves and stop listening to ourselves. And there's that little voice, you know, in the back of our head that sometimes runs and, and we got to be able to talk back to it. It's like when a, when a fighter goes in a ring, if he just stands there and takes hits, he's not going to win the fight. The same is true with our mental game. If we stand there and just take hits of that voice inside the back of our head or, you know, criticism from the outside voices that actually don't matter, then it's like standing there like a boxer and just letting our, our face get punched in. Like we've got to throw some jabs and how we throw jabs is, is our self-talk is the language we use, um, to how we communicate with ourselves, to how we communicate to certain others, not disrespect but, you know, intentionally and um, in alignment with who we're trying to be and what we're trying to accomplish. Hi, Playmakers. It's about that time to discover your why. It only takes five minutes. And on the other side, you will better understand who you are, how you think, and why you do what you do. Here's how you get the assessment. 
text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, open up a text and send the word why to 310-564-7857. For coaching after, DM me. For now, let's get back to the show. Since you're talking about self-talk, I want to bring us here because I am jamming out and enjoying the heck out of your podcast, which is also called Building Championship Mindset. So for all playmakers, we love having you in the playmaker community. Let's do a yes and. You also need to be listening, if you're not already, to Building Championship Mindsets. And it's a unique spin on it because... It's you going hard in the paint on, in this case, I know there's some stuff wrapped into your book, but it's really just talking about your core principles and beliefs and values. So I want to take us through one of those because it connects to what you just said. We always talk about this concept around motivation. And I know from a business setting, there's a lot of motivation that you can adopt through your culture or through your leaders or through the environment. But you, I I think in your case, you would agree with all that, but you would say yes and. You would say yes to all of those things external to you, but quote, and this is what your first episode of the season was about, it is your job to motivate you. I will repeat that and then I want you to riff on this. What does it mean to you? How does it apply to everybody listening in? It is your job to motivate you. Talk to us. Yeah. You know, what we know is that there are so many different types and kinds of motivation. And a lot of times we're, we either think, well, we're intrinsically motivated or we're extrinsically motivated, motivated, but there's, there's a lot of things that go into that. Right. And, and so there's intrinsic motivation, there's extrinsic. That's like the, the source of the reward, what rewards us for doing what we do. There's internal to external. That's the source of the driver. Is it you getting yourself up out of bed? Is it your significant other? Is it your coach? Is it your teammate that has to call you to get you out of bed to go to work out? Um, and then, you know, there's approach to avoidance. That's, am I approaching this workout or, or this project that I'm on at work to get better, to contribute that's approach, or am I going after this project to avoid getting in trouble or getting, you know, my bonus doctor or whatever. And then there's positive to negative. Then that's the ethical connotation. Am I going in there to, to give everything I have? And if, you know, somebody gets hurt or something bad happens, that's a, that's a part of, sport or life, you know, but if I'm going in there to intentionally hurt somebody or to steal from somebody or to, you know, undermine a client in some way or a a competitor, then, then that's negative ethics. And so what I say, what I mean when I say it's your job to motivate you is none of those extrinsic, external avoidance, negative motivation, we don't try to go to, but those first three, you know, those aren't bad in and of themselves, but what we want is that most of our motivations come from intrinsic internal approach and, and, and those positive motivators. And so when we know that we have options, it's not just either or now all of a sudden we can pull the levers for ourselves. And so while we want to, to cultivate those more internal based motives every once in a while, Hey, listen, if I don't get my butt out of bed to go work out, you know, my, my training partner is going to work out by himself and that's some good social motivation in it. Or, you know, we're going to have to run extra. So, so using those, um, when we need them is, is okay, but it's your job to figure out which levers you need to pull on different days. And our hope though, is again, that, that people cultivate that more intrinsic because eventually like the team goes away, the accolades go away. People aren't watching all the time. And, and, and then what? you know, do you still show up as a, as a good human that continues on the disciplines of high performance? 
Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to double click on this. We're going to hang out here because I hear you and I feel you and I agree with you. But I'm sure there might be some folks here that unfortunately, let's say they're in a tough spot. And if they're in a tough spot, they would not on a scale of one to 10, they ain't even close to a 10 on the motivation scale. You say pull the levers. They don't even know which lever because I've been here at a, at a point in life. You don't even know which levers to look for. This whole thing in this show is about Yes, making plays, but the bigger picture is to live and lead on purpose, right? To tap into your core values, to find your passion. And some folks, there's a gap. Like, dude, I don't, I'm not connected to my passion or my purpose. What's the first thing? What advice or tips or recommendations would you have for the person that might be in a tough spot? They want to get to what you're talking about and find this intrinsic motivation, but they're still looking for that first step. Yeah, that's a great question. One of my uh, first grad school projects in my master's degree, we had this class called Theories of Performance Excellence, and we had to craft our own theory of performance excellence, what goes into that. And I thought it was interesting because we didn't know anything about sports psychology at the time. We are first semester grad school students, right? And, um, and so I wrote about what I knew and what I believed and what I had learned through other avenues of my life v- versus being, you know, just thinking about it through the lens of sports psychology. And it's interesting now, um, I go back to that theory all the time because I believe it's what leads to performance excellence in any domain. And so the theory is that it starts with identity, it builds with mindset, it grows through leadership, and ultimately that's what leads us to greatness. And so um, it starts with identity. If you don't know what levers to pull, it's because you really don't know who you are or what you're here to do or, or why it's even important to you. And so if something's not important to you, there's no worth being motivated for it. And so, and yet, terms like identity and purpose are so big and they're scary and people think that they're a far way away and how could I ever really know my purpose? And, um, I also had a chance to take my senior year at Notre Dame, a chance to take this like personal identity class. And it was really fascinating that through the course of it, 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 a lot of people found new layers of their identity because we were intentional about seeking and finding. And so I think that's the interesting thing about what makes humans tick. When we are intentional about seeking answers to things or discovering things, we find them. And, um, I'm sort of all over the place here, but they all sort of connect. My dissertation was on the transition out of the NFL. And the main problem that the participants in my study were trying to solve when they got out of playing football was how do I rediscover and redefine purpose in my life now that football is over? And one of the most critical elements of those that were able to do that was intentional engagement in the process. And so if you're in a place of your life where you don't know any of those things, don't tap out, stay in the conversation, ask yourself questions and sit with those questions as long as you need to, to find answers. And little by little, as you start to find answers to those action creates traction and every answer will lead you to a new question. will will peak a new sense of curiosity in yourself and will give you, um, enough energy to find the next step. And, and so, you know, just start with some basic questions. What are the things that energize you? What are the things that drain you? What, what brings you joy? What makes you angry? What times of day are you, do you have the most energy? Um, 
thinking back in your life, when were seasons of your life when you were happy, when you do, did feel fulfilled, what things were going on in your world at that time? Can you re-inject some of those things into your world? It's not going to all be clear at once, but one answer by one answer by one answer, it you just sort of start to shed light onto, well, what's the next step in my path? And as we start to flesh out our identity, then we can start to get to, okay, well, what are our mindsets maybe that are helping or hurting me from living into that person or taking that next step or being courageous? And then that leads us to leadership, right? And ultimately, as we get through those layers, we just find new layers of greatness, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. How do you define leadership? Uh, to me, leadership is leadership is influence. I mean, it's a John Maxwell, leadership is influence, but I do believe you have to lead in before you lead out. And I think it's this constant process um, of leading ourselves personally and professionally, and then, you know, having that influence and impact on others. So this is so awesome because I'll tell you the connection points, not only between your book and mine, but I think more importantly, just the spirit of how we're attacking these things and trying to share it with the world is because, so I'll tell you right now, working title of my book, it's centered around your head, heart, and hands. So I think in your case, when you think mindset, it's obviously head being the mindset, heart being the heart set, hands being the action and the alignment of all those things. So I'm building an equation around it, but you'll love this subtitle working subtitle is lead the life you want on purpose. And after I break down the equation in chapter one, chapter two is all about identity. And I kid you not, it was so awesome, Amber, hearing you talk about this because I say the table stakes, it, like basically close the book right now. If you don't show up with these three things, it was awareness, intention, and ownership. If you are not willing to get in the ring with those three things, close the book because that's just, and that's what I'm hearing from you. We may massage into different words and different, but the spirit of what I'm hearing from you is to get in the fight, to get in the game, awareness, intention, and ownership. Is that what I'm picking up? hundred percent. I mean, the first play in the mental performance playbook is awareness because you have to be aware before you enhance anything. And certainly trying to find your purpose and your identity in life. Right. So that, and then, and then taking ownership over that, like you said, hundred percent, you can't leave that to anybody else. Um, that's why it's like, it's your job to motivate you. You got to take ownership over that. And, and you can't be derailed by people outside of you. And it's hard when it's, it's hard when it's the people closest to you, when it's your significant other, when it's your parent, or, you know, when it's your, when it's your boss. And, and so, but you got to take ownership over that because they're, they're not in the ring with you. Like we talk all the time about like, who's in your corner, make sure you have the right people in your corner. But, but at the end of the day, the only person that goes into the middle of the ring to fight is you. Right. And, and so make sure that when the bell rings and you go back to your corner, you've got the right people there that are giving you the right information to help you go out and fight your good fight. Yes. Yes. So another thing I picked up from all the content that I've been consuming as I study Dr. Amber Selking quote, confidence is a choice. Me knowing the professional sports world, like I do in your case, a collegiate sports world, you having the coaching head on here, uh, mental performance with Notre Dame football and beyond you've coached in many other settings as well, but let, let's 
I, I, a lot of playmakers are pretty jacked up on this whole thing called football. So let's maybe there's a story that you could say, because we know in sports, confidence is kind of a roller coaster. I'm loving me some confidence on a winning streak. And man, if I've lost a few in a row, especially in a game like college football, where one or two losses can derail a season. It's not like the NFL. So maybe there's a story of, A, what does confidence is a choice mean to you? And maybe there's a story where, you know, you've had to coach some athletes or some high performers where maybe they were lacking in confidence because of whatever the struggle was, but you helped resurrect them to get them back to that bold, courageous, confident place. Yeah. You know, confidence is a choice because at the end of the day, confidence is just a thought. Now there's a lot of people out there that are choosing confidence that that's not a logical thought. Um, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, I would rather people choose confidence than not. Yes. And so, um, what you said there though, is really important because that's actually how most people derive their confidence. If I'm playing well, if I'm performing well, I'm confident. If I'm not, I'm not. And it does. It becomes this emotional roller coaster. And that's why so many people get so burnt out, particularly in sport, because they ride that emotionality. And even pros have good games and bad games, right? But our goal is to make, even though the performance curve is always going to be up and down, we want to make our performance curve much more stable. And that starts with understanding that past performances aren't the only driver of confidence. It's one of five. And when we really understand and the variables that go into building confidence from a scientific standpoint, things like your self-talk, things like your support system and others, then we can invest wisely and, and fill all the, and, and be intentional about developing our confidence in multiple areas so that when our performance isn't great, we can pull on some of those other um, elements of confidence that we've invested in so that confidence as a choice and choosing confidence is still a logical thought. And so, you know, one of the things that I see a lot is that your, your captains, right, or your leaders, they're your leaders because th they're, they're on the field and they contribute and they're consistent usually. But what I've seen is that when they might not be playing as well as they want, they start to get quiet and they start to disappear and they start to think, well, now I don't have a right to lead because I'm not playing super well. And what I really challenge them again, the sign behind me says, think like a champion. How what's that's a wrong way of thinking about the situation, because if you're not playing well, that means we really need you to lead well, because you're an important part of this game going well. And if we lose your, your playmaker ability and your leadership, now we've got two voids here. And so what we, what I challenge them to do in that moment is how do you step into your leadership? How do you lead more intentionally? And when we do that, it gets our attention off of ourselves and onto our teammates in the situation. And oftentimes because they're really good at what they do, their game will pick back up because they're not thinking about it so much. They're not putting that much pressure on themselves. They're not tightening up in that moment, trying so hard to do great, but, but rather they can play more freely in the midst of that when they're just focusing on being great leaders. And so, you know, I've seen that multiple times with, with our guys, with our, with our, my girls, like the, in, in that sports setting, particularly, um, in, in a leadership and playmaker type capacity. Yeah. Ah, so beautiful. So as we come down the home stretch here, book is out there. We're about to share with folks where they can find it. And I just want to tap into your mind now, as well as your heart, to ask you, all right, so we cut the ribbon off this thing. 
the easy question is, what does success look like? And I'm not just talking metrics and uh, book sales and things of that nature. I know it's much deeper than that for you. So if you could paint a picture when you and I were raising a glass a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, reflecting back, what does winning look like in terms of the chapter that you just kicked off? You launched the book. What are we going to be raising a glass to the next time we see each other? That's a great question. I haven't thought about it before, but three things hit my brain uh, instantaneously. One is um, stories from people that read the book and really um, are intentional, take ownership uh, over their mental game and transform their lives because of it and hearing some of those stories. I mean, we've I've done the podcast for five years and the stories I've gotten from people around the world, from delivering babies to being in a nonprofit in South Africa to, you know, um, people that have lost their jobs or lost family members to pro athletes applying it to their game. You know, those stories are what keep me going. Um, because I, I haven't even had time to get financial sponsors for my podcast yet. And so, but I, but, but it's important for me that the world hears that. And I want to hear those stories from the book. Um, the, the second piece is that one of the things that I get to do is speak to organizations. And so, you know, I think another success metric for me is that, that organizations bring this book into their organization and with their team members, because they start to see the value in winning the mental game and what that can do for their people on both a personal and professional level. And then finally, um, I would love to see this book in a different language someday. Um, I, I have, you know, we're a global organization at Lippard and I've been over to our teams in Italy and have done leadership training in English with an Italian, um, you know, translator. And I I have to speak really slowly over there, which is really hard for me because I talk faster when I get excited. And um, but to hear leadership training and, and core values be talked about in a different language, you know, it, it's deep in my heart to change the world. And when I studied abroad, when I was an undergrad, every country I went to to visit, I would just pray over and and just, you know, ask for, for favor and blessing and, you know, wisdom of the leaders of that country for the goodness of those people. And so, you know, when, when I was doing that training, I was like, man, there was something just powerful in, in hearing and seeing things in a different language. And so, um, it would, it would be pretty powerful to, to see this book in a different language someday as well. It's going to happen, my friend. So there, those, those would be my three success metrics. We'll see. <laughs> hey, that's it. That's it. Just three. And I'm sure as soon as we hang up, there's going to be a fourth and a fifth. And that's exactly why we <laughs> play the game. But look, here's the reality. You can't be determined to be a playmaker. You can't get out of bed to make plays if you're not committed to the consistent habits and action to build your championship mindset. So playmakers, this is not a nudge. This is not a recommendation. I'm telling you right now, pick up the book because I know that Dr. Amber Selking, you just got a glimpse of her spirit today. The depth of not only her work, but her character, her values, her purpose, her mission. She's not in the job game. She's not in the career game. She's in the calling game and her calling is to serve. So with that, Dr. Amber Selking, Thank you. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Where do we pick up the book? Just talk to us. 
Yeah. So all the good stuff is on my website, www.selkingperformance.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at champ mindsets on TikTok. We're out there TikToking as well. Uh, champion champ mindsets out there. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those, all those platforms. And, uh, you can get the book through my website on Amazon or, or, you know, on, uh, any platform in that regard as well. And, you know, I think the main thing is I just love to hear how you're applying it, how you're using it and how it's allowing you to win your mental game, despite some of the challenges going on in our world, you know, globally and locally, wherever that might be for you. And, you know, that you continue to be an intentional playmaker first and foremost in your own life, because that's, that's the only way you ever get to greatness outside of you is to start to unlock the greatness inside of you. Mm. Mm. Mic drop worthy with that playmakers, you know exactly where to find her. Also, if you want to hang out with us in Notre Dame, May 17th through 19th, just saying, join us at the purpose summit. It's about to be awesome. <laughs> yep. So uh, Amber's going to be speaking. I'll be speaking. We're going to be raising a ton of glasses. So uh, just love it. Thank you so much for being on playmakers and we will be applauding your success and significance along the way. Thanks, Paul. It's a blessing being here. Appreciate you, brother. Another episode in the books. You know the drill. If it added value to your life, subscribe, share, leave a review, and help grow our Playmaker community. For keynote speaking and why coaching, visit paulepsteinspeaks.com. And last call, if you haven't already, take your why discovery now. Pull out your phones and text the word why to 310-564-7800. Again, text the word Y to 310-564-7857. Playmakers is proudly produced by Detroit Podcast Studios. Until the next time, dominate the day on purpose.